I say, Holy Spirit, just rest on every word spoken. Let the grace and weight of God rest on this place right now. And every heart would be open. Every heart would be open in Jesus' name. Awesome. Wasn't that some awesome worship? My husband has some soul. It's like, dang, brother's doing worship. Um, I, I get the honor to just be married to him. You're my hero. I love you, baby. Um, well, I am just so excited to bring the word this morning. I see some new faces and I see some familiar faces. Um, my name is Rochelle, if you don't know me. And, um, and I'm just, I'm just so blessed to bring the word of the Lord. Who has enjoyed so far this series on the power of one? I was so just um, blown away last week when um, Laris shared his spoken word. I mean, just incredible. Sometimes you never realize the difference you make in somebody's life just by saying yes to Jesus. And, um, and we've had the privilege of having him in our home for f- like five years now. And it's just, he blesses us as much as it blesses him. But um, where is he? I don't even see. Oh, he's in, he's in with the kids. All right. Um, I just wanted to brag on him for a minute. You know, um, I have five kids and we have Laris. So there's, let's see, five, six, that's eight people in our house. I don't know why I have to count that. You know, it's funny because have you ever seen Home Alone and uh, the cop tells the the lady on the phone, tell her to count her kids again. I feel like that all the time. One, two, three. Are they all there? Are they where they're supposed to be? What's funny is like some people say there's a saying, it takes a village to raise a village or it takes a village to raise a kid. And so I get that. Like I get that it takes a lot of, a lot of help to raise all of my babies. You know, when we're leaving today, we're trying to like manage, okay, who gets this kid? Who gets this kid? Who's going to be at the house? Cause we had, we need a new dryer. So who's going to be there to get the dryer? Like we're, so we're managing all of these things. So I totally get that it, it takes a lot of things to help, um, to help us raise our babies and, and to be part of this thing. And as I was thinking about that, I was thinking about how, this thing called life is like a dance. It's, it's kind of like a dance. And sometimes we think it's just my dance with God, but it's our dance with God and our dance with people. That's what life is like. And so that's what I want to talk about this morning, because I think it takes time. It takes community and it takes faith. And so I want to talk about those three things that it takes to just do this thing called life, this thing called dance. Our, our life is like a dance. In Genesis um, chapter 36, 38, and 39, I'm not going to read all three chapters, but I'm going to reference them. There's a story. It's a beautiful story of a man named Joseph. And um, if you've never just taken some time out to just really look at some of the details in Joseph's life, I encourage you, just go read it. Um, I like to uh, listen to the Bible because I don't always have the time to sit and read it. So I'll just like press play on my phone and let the audio Bible like over and over. I'm doing my makeup or I'm getting ready or I'm taking care of my kids. And I just listen to the word of the Lord. But that's what I was doing for this last week, just listening to the story of Joseph. It's so inspiring to me when a man goes through everything Joseph went through and he comes out on top. How many know sometimes we go through things, but our goal in the end is just to come out better. 
And there's some things I see. So first, Joseph's brothers were jealous, and they sold him into slavery. They wanted to kill him, and they talked themselves out of murdering their brother, but instead they sold him into slavery. And then um, he was sold to this man named Potiphar. And then he grew in such favor, he became like Potiphar's right-hand guy. And then Potiphar's wife wanted him, so she tried to take advantage of him, and Potiphar found out and threw him in prison. And then in prison, he began to use his God-given gifts and speak life to people in the prison with him. And he, um, he prophetically interpreted people's dreams and then said, don't forget me, but they forgot him. And then um, the one that he interpreted the dreams began to work for the pharaoh, like the guy, like the guy in charge. And, um, and then pharaoh had a dream, and the guy remembered, wait, I know a guy who can interpret your dream. And then Joseph interpreted Pharaoh's dream, and Pharaoh, and Joseph became the, the, the number one guy in all of Egypt. So he went from a, uh, a 17-year-old boy that his brothers were jealous over to the ruler over everyone in the whole country. Okay, so let's talk about how he got there. Genesis 39.2, this is so significant about Joseph's life. It says, The Lord was with Joseph, so he succeeded in everything, and Potiphar saw this. See, sometimes we think we're on this journey, this process, and we have all these setbacks, and we have all these things, but really it's just us like the children of Israel walking through the wilderness on a a 40-year journey that should have taken 11 days. Sometimes when we feel like we feel God's love and we feel his presence, we think he's blessing our process when really he's just loving us like a good dad, but he's asking us to take it deeper and further. Sometimes when we're in a process, we make it an excuse to stay complacent and not grow. See, that's not what Joseph, Joseph's life was like. He took every setback and he said, I'm going to be the best ever. I'm going to be the best I can be with every setback. So I think about if, if I, I, have, I have sisters. So I grew up in a house full of women. Crazy. Um, I don't even, neither one of my sisters are here to talk about them. Now I can talk really bad about them because they're not here. Why ain't you in church? <clears throat> Just kidding. But we, I grew up in a house full of women. Like, it was crazy, crazy. Just no order or structure most of the time. Just just craziness. Makeup everywhere. Like, just, can you imagine, if you imagine what that looks like? Just a house full of women. But I can't imagine if my sisters turned on me and betrayed me, I would feel devastated and defeated. It would be the worst thing that ever happened to me. I would never be able to move on from that. But Joseph did. And when he was sold into slavery to a, I mean, you have to, if you look at the kind of people that they were back then, these were like evil people. Um, The Pharaoh at the time was one of the most evil men ever. Just awful. But Joseph came under. Joseph served. He loved well, no matter what the circumstances were. He was sold into slavery, and because he succeeded, or another version said he prospered, everything his hands touched prospered, 
He was raised and elevated into higher and higher positions. And then what happens? Then he gets put into prison. I don't know about you, but if I got put in prison, I would really feel like, where is God in the moment? Like, like I'm, I would feel alone and abandoned and neglected. But what happens in prison? He just keeps going. He keeps declaring the word of the Lord. He keeps serving people that he doesn't have to serve. He keeps loving people. He inter- interprets people's dreams for them. You know, at the time, there was like so much sorcery and witchcraft, and he had this gift. He didn't. He probably didn't have to be like, you know, um, your craft is of the devil, but my craft is of God. They just said he interpreted dreams. That's all he. That's all he told people. I. I can. I can tell you. They called him the dreamer, the dream interpreter. Okay. So no matter what his setbacks were, he did his best and always had favor with those around him. We should embrace God's process of the journey. And sometimes it does take time. It takes time for us to to be molded together. It takes time for us to come into maturity. But it shouldn't take time like, oh, I just keep getting all these setbacks and it's going to take forever because I am, I, you don't know where I'm coming from. No, it takes time because you're growing and you're moving. If you keep going back, you're not taking the time God wants you to take. He's just loving you in the process. But let, let our process be one that keeps moving forward, that keeps advancing, that keeps taking steps. And stop letting... Um, our failures be excuses. See, sometimes we make our process all about all these excuses we can make for ourselves. Well, you don't know what I've been through and you don't know what I've done. You know, sometimes your excuses are somebody else's reasons to, to do something greater. His journey for us is not always the long road, but sometimes that's the road we wind up taking. God may be loving you through your process, but that doesn't mean he doesn't have a better way. See, sometimes we feel like because he's loving us that he's approving what we're doing. He loves us because he's a good dad. He loves us because he's a good dad. And sometimes we don't take, oh, we don't always take that right road. So it takes time. Number two, it takes community. Part of embracing God's process through us is embracing community. Because what if Joseph didn't embrace new relationships because of the failures of the past ones? What if he didn't trust people because his brothers betrayed him? Would he have advanced in Potiphar's house? Would he have been able to interpret the dreams in prison? Would he have been able to become the Pharaoh's right-hand man and literally declare righteousness and prosperity over an entire nation from a slave to a king. Take somebody that's willing to say, I need you. Take somebody willing to say, I'll trust you. Take somebody willing to say, I'm not going to let the failures of the disappointments of my past determine my outcome because I need people. I need to trust people. I need to be a part of something that's bigger than myself. I can't do it alone. See, what if, what if Joseph said, well, this is just God's plan for my life. I'm just going to sit back and take it instead of rise up and own the moment. 
instead of rise up and take ownership of his life and not become a victim, but become victorious over every single area. See, what if Joseph, what if Joseph just sat back and just took everything that was handed to him? What would that entire nation look like? Poverty stricken, famine broken. Would his brothers have received restoration? No, they wouldn't have. It takes each other. It takes us understanding that the failures of past relationships cannot determine how we embrace new ones. In Philippians chapter 2, I'm going to read out of the message translation. So if you want to follow along, you can, but you don't have to. If you've gotten anything out of following Christ, if his love has made a difference in your life, if being in community of the spirit means anything to you, if you have a heart and if you care, this is, he's getting real serious. He says, then do me a favor, agree with each other, love each other, be deep spirited friends. Don't push your way to the front. Don't sweet talk your way to the top. Put yourself aside and help others get ahead. Don't be obsessed with getting your own advantage. Forget yourselves long enough to lend a helping hand. You know, I think about in Joseph's life, he gave prophetic interpretation to two men. One was that the Pharaoh was going to promote you, and one was that the Pharaoh was going to kill you. And he told the one that, was, that Pharaoh was going to promote, he said, don't forget me. Do you know that it was three years that he still sat in prison after Pharaoh promoted that man? He sat in prison for three years. I think about that. I think about the times people say, I've got your back. I've got you. And when they don't, You just toss them aside. You just forget everything. You're like, whatever, they don't have my back. They weren't there when I needed them. But what happened? When the Pharaoh needed somebody to interpret his dream, that guy remembered Joseph. Sometimes that process in somebody else's life, it takes time. But don't forget, don't lose heart. Don't lose hold of the hope you have for your brothers and sisters to do what they're called to do, to be who they're called to be for you, but for your community. See, we don't understand what somebody else is going through, but what if Joseph had just written him off? in his heart and in his life and just and just separated himself from that man. He said, whatever, you forgot me. You got yourself to the top. It was my interpretation. So peace out, dude. I'm not even going to acknowledge you. What if he did that? We do that. I do that all the time. Somebody's like, oh, Rochelle, I love you. You're amazing. And then like a, a week later, they're talking crap about me. And I'm like, I know who you really are. I ain't going to have nothing to do with you. Don't come asking me for help when you're broken and down. My door will be closed. Sometimes we want to do that. Often we want to do that. But what if Joseph did that? Right before this, listen to this, right before the ultimate promotion. 
he sat in prison for three extra years because nobody spoke up for him. Right before that breakthrough, right before that moment where he has, he has so much authority and he had so much to give the people, right before that he spent three extra years in prison because nobody spoke up on his behalf. What if he had cut himself off from that? What if he had just shut his heart down? We need each other. We need each other. We need community. We need to be a part of something bigger than ourselves. Don't allow your past pain prevent your present promotion. Don't allow your past pain to prevent your present promotion. God wants to take you somewhere. But we cut ourselves off from grace because we have allowed what has happened in the past offend or hold us back or prevent us from what God wants to do in our lives. It has, it's our decision to say no. It's our decision to step out and keep going. The third thing is it takes faith. Now, um, I haven't, I've um, flown a lot more these last, I don't know, five years than I ever have in my whole life. The first time I was ever on a plane, I was 16 years old with my grandma. Well, I think I was on a plane maybe before that, but that was the first time I remember. And so um, after me and Zach got married, he had, he had flown his whole life. His mom was a flight attendant, and he had flown like a, like a hundred times. And he'd been in the cockpit and all of that stuff. And so one time we're flying, and we're flying from Vegas to Denver. And I don't know if you've ever flown from Vegas to Denver, but you have to fly over like the mountain ranges, and it gets a little shaky. And so... I'm like, I don't like to fly. I drug myself to get on a plane. So it's really kind of hard for me to, I take Dramamine. And so like, I literally, I'm going to take Dramamine and then I'm going to have to wake up to go to a service. I will just pray for me this afternoon. Lots of coffee. Starbucks is my friend today. But, um, so we're on this flight and I'm like, I'm already kind of freaking out cause I'm like on Dramamine and I want to sleep and I'm, I'm just like all shaky and nervous and it starts getting real turbulent. Like the plane starts to shake and I'm like, Zach, is this normal? And he's like, yeah, it's fine. It's fine. Don't, don't worry. And, and it brought to my mem, this story brought to my memory. Sometimes we feel like we need to eject ourselves off this turbulent flight. When really, if we just trusted the pilot and where we're going, we would know that we're going to be okay. Turbulence is normal. Turbulence is going to happen. But we so often eject ourselves the moment things get a little bit shaky because we can't trust the pilot. We can't trust the flight attendant when they come by and they say, it's all going to be okay. This is normal. We can't trust those people because we haven't learned to have faith in somebody else. We haven't learned to put our hope and our trust fully in what God is doing. We haven't learned that we need community. We want to do it all by ourselves. So the moment things get rocky, the moment things get turbulent, we just hit that eject button and we push ourselves out. And then we blame other people and they say, well, they pushed me out. But really, 
You just wanted to get out while it was shaky because you couldn't stay and stand and stay the tide and stay with it and continue to go and have faith in people and have faith in what God is doing in your community. Have faith in your leaders. Trust the people God's put in your life. So you reject yourself. Things are a little rocky. They get rocky sometimes. Pilots don't always land the plane right. Sometimes they don't always hit the air pocket the way they should and things get bumpy. But if we have faith in what God is doing, we have faith in what he's doing in us, what he's doing in our leaders, what he's doing in our community, what he wants to do in our city, what he said. We have faith in the words he's spoken that we will hold on till the end. We will stay and we'll hold fast. You know, Chris Valentin says the best way to stay out of deception is to trust someone more than you trust yourself. This is really super hard because I think I'm like the smartest person on the planet. Why are you laughing? Like there are so many times in my life, like I seriously, I know best. I tell my kids, you know, this is our morning routine with, with me and my daughters. And so we, you know, how does this look, mom? Well, you need to change that and you need to do that and you need to do that. And it's so funny because my daughters have such little funky styles. If you see, they just are so funny. And it's how the fashions just like they keep coming back and they just, it's so like, I'm like, I would wear that when I was your age. It's so weird. But, um, but I always think I know best. Like I'm mom. I know the best. When my Youngest daughter, not youngest, before Layla was born, Hannah. And Hannah has got this funky style. She will put 10 things together I would have never picked, and she just pulls it off. I don't get it. She just does it. She pulls it off. So but when, we were, when she was little, we had a hard time kind of reining her in, and she never wanted to wear what mom laid out. And so dad would say, Hannah, mom is a fashion Barbie princess. Mom knows best. Listen to mom. So, so even my husband knows that I know everything. See? That's right, honey. He told somebody the other day, we, he, uh, we only fight when he doesn't, when he um, thinks he's right. That's it. It's like, that's such a good answer. Such a good answer. Wonderful. Um, but the best way to stay free from deception is to trust somebody more than yourself because when you're deceived, who's going to tell you if you don't trust anybody? And who will you believe? Because if it's just you, you know, there's so many people, it's just me and Jesus. We got this. Just me and Jesus. You know, the problem with that is it's really super easy for you to mix what Jesus says with what you say and get deceived and isolate yourself and seek your own desire and rage against all wise counsel. Super easy. But when you trust people more than you trust yourself and somebody can question your God told me, then you find yourself in a healthy place where you can grow and God can use you and you can be part of something that's greater than yourself. You can be a part of something that, that will advance your, the kingdom of God in your city, advance the kingdom of God in your workplace. You know, 
I dismissed this, so I'm going to go back to point one really quick. How many of us, our bosses, would promote us to the next highest position just because of our faithfulness at our workplace? How many of us are just, we're just waiting for the promotion, but we just sit back and just do just one little bit less than what we should because we don't have to. But if we just did more than what we were responsible for, God would put us in that next place. See, there's a reason why he says, be faithful in the few things he'll give you ruler over much. Because if you can trust your heart with a little, he can trust you with a lot. That's why a lot of people say, well, when I have millions, I'll be a good giver. Well, let's see what you do with hundreds. Because if you can't be a good giver with a little bit, you're not going to be a good giver with a lot. So that was back on one. Let's go back to three. Hebrews 12, and I'm going to close with this. If our uh, ladies want to get ready. All right. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance, the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer, the perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. See, sometimes we look at our life like this race. It's me, myself, and I, and I've got to get to the finish line. That's what we that's how we look at things. It's just it's just about me finishing my race. What has God called me to do? When almost everywhere in the Bible, when it talks about a community being changed or even salvation, even deliverance, it's in words that are like plural, meaning a group of people. Every time. Salvation. Let me just say this. We have always thought about being saved as, have you received Jesus in your heart? Right? That's what we thought about it. This salvation is a plural word, meaning saved, healed, and delivered. And not just you, but your family, your household, your city, your community, your church, everything. We've made it. We've made the scripture so about us. We've self-focused the Bible. We've even said things, if you were the only person, Jesus would have died just for you, which I think is accurate. But how much better is it to say, he brought the whole world in his heart. It didn't have to just be you because it's every single life. It's every heart. It's every person. It's every nation. It's every tongue. It's every color. He took the whole world and he brought it in his heart. How bigger is Jesus now? We make it so small and individualistic and just about ourselves. Are you saved? Have you repeated the Lord's prayer? Instead of saying, what's the destiny of your family? What's the spiritual lineage lineage of your offspring? How are we doing this together? It's not just about a race with you crossing the finish line. It's about picking up the baton of the people that have gone before us and saying, I'm going to take it to the next level and I'm not going to stop and I'm going to get through my portion so I can pass it on again. 
It's about saying, I'm going to pick up the former things and I'm not going to just look at myself because that's what the, the scripture is saying. Jesus, for the fixing his eyes, he, for the joy set before him, he wasn't looking at anything else but you. The joy set before him, he endured the cross. He was looking at you. So when we pick up that baton and it's our turn to, to run our race and it's our turn to pick it up. And we're not saying oh, it's just about me and what I'm going to do in my life and my legacy. It's about, I'm going to carry on the former. I'm going to pick it up. I'm going to own it. It's my portion. It's my part. And I'm going to see what I can do with leaving a legacy for generations together. There is no solo in this thing called a dance. There is no solo in our process. There is no solo. See, I think about if one person started singing, how many people could hear? Two, three, ten, maybe, if they're loud enough. When you put a symphony together with parts and an orchestra and strings and all the other sounds of music. You put it all together. You know, you put a symphony, you put a symphony without any mics in an amphitheater. Hundreds of thousands of people can hear the sound. It's not a symphony. It's not a solo. It's a symphony. We're all called to bring our part, our portion, who we are, and have faith and believe that this is what we're supposed to do. We are a part of something bigger than ourselves. I want to have our ladies share and minister with the dance, and then I'll come up and close. Still my heart again I'll breathe you in 
Isn't that powerful? Thank you, Lord. Every head bowed and every eye closed, if you would, please. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. I want to invite our prayer team to come up and just stay in an attitude of prayer. I want to ask our ushers to please back them up. 